welcome to Whiskey with Great Drums. I'm Kirsty. And I'm Greg. Uh, and in this episode, we'll be speaking to the founder of Storywood Tequila, um, who are claiming to be the tequila for whiskey drinkers, which I'm really interested about. Tequila feels like it's really um, front of mind at the minute. Lots of my friends are getting more involved in drinking it. I'm really interested to hear about how uh, their process is about the tequila they're producing. So they're aging it in ex-scotch whiskey casks and ex-Oloroso sherry casks. Um, so really looking forward to having that. Greg's going to have a chat with him. We'll also be answering your questions and we'll have our whiskey of the week. So enjoy. And here we are with Michael Ballantyne from Storywood Tequila. So I guess to kind of take it right to the beginning, um, so I was born in Scotland, uh, but raised in Texas. Um, so when I was legally able to drink, I think um, it was right into the bourbons and things like that. Um, really, for me, it was more kind of oak-aged liquids that I really enjoyed. Um, there was something quite mysterious about what wood does to, to liquid over time um, that I found quite interesting. Um, but I was, a, I was a chef by trade, um, so really enjoy cooking, flavors, things like that. And then uh, I've actually moved from Houston back to, to Scotland. And when I came back to Scotland 15 years ago, um, I started, I actually got involved with a friend of mine who's a big whiskey drinker, took me to um, a couple of different distilleries and and it was the first time that I actually went to a distillery just to see kind of how it's made, you know, properly, how it's done. Um, but it's great. You get all those like sensual kind of those senses as soon as you arrive, you know, you can smell, you don't even have to go into the distillery yet. You, you know, you're there because you can smell it from outside. Oh, it smells the heat from the stills when you do get inside yeah. all of those things that don't really get communicated, but are just around you. It's, something I desperately miss from uh, being able to actually go and visit distilleries. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, for a lot of people when they first kind of get involved with, if they haven't actually done that, I think when they do go and do it, they become a like really more, I think they get more connected with the understanding of what they're drinking. Mm. And then it starts sparking kind of more, sort of moments and, and thinking about okay what am I going to drink next and what you know it's it's more it becomes really inspirational by that point um but yeah so I really kind of got got into the kind of whiskey side of things really sort of learning about my own national spitter um which I wasn't able to do over in Houston or, or I just wasn't connected that way until I moved back to Scotland and um I ended up falling into being in Aberdeen, fell into the oil and gas industry um, and kind of came away from cooking. I think it was the long hours, back in first thing in the morning, prepping. It was just, it's, it's a tough, tough going mm. being a chef for sure. Um, so yeah, started in oil and gas industry and uh, kind of climbed up the ladder, started from the bottom and kind of worked my way through. And it kind of got to a point to where it didn't matter how many times I was moving up a level or I just wasn't really happy doing what I was doing. And I knew I wanted to go back to hospitality in some shape or form. 
but I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do that. And it wasn't until 2015 that I was speaking to my mother who lives in Mexico. She's been there for the last uh, about 16, 17 years now. Wow. And she'd said to me, you know, why don't you just come over to San Miguel with, well, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, um, come over there, spend some time and just kind of think about what you want to do. You know, what's the next step? Mm. So I went over to San Miguel and if you don't know anything about that place, it's like the most traditional um, Mexican just it's just such a beautiful town it's right in the middle of mexico so it's not on the coastline or anything um and everything is still really traditional it's not overrun by you know your your big corporations and stuff like that yeah. um still like the mom and pop type stuff which is great yeah and um funnily enough when i was uh, i'm i was out uh, in the square having food and I noticed there was a, a group of younger Mexicans that were drinking at the bar just across. And I'd asked the guy what they were drinking and they were all drinking Johnny Walker. And I was, I was kind of taken back by it, but I said to him, that's quite interesting because I wouldn't have thought they'd be drinking scotch. Um, and he said, actually, um, in Mexico, whiskey is is one of the most consumed spirits. Yeah. And with millennials, they're drinking more scotch than than tequila. So I, had, I know, I know. So um, so I kind of I, I thought about that and I was like, you know what? It's it's such a great place, uh, San Miguel, because a lot of people go there during the holidays. It's a place that you go. It's like a holiday kind of place. There's lots of expats there that retire to San Miguel. So I had it in my head to open up this really cool whiskey bar in San Miguel. So that was kind of like, that was really the inspiration that sort of started it. And as I was working away on things, um, looking at places and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, my mom had said to me, I've been to this place called La Cofradia and we should go out there just like for a break, you know, kind of take your mind off of this, go and see how they produce tequila. And so we did that next day, packed up six hour drive to tequila and exactly the same as if you were driving like from Aberdeen to Dufton, mm -hmm. you know, like as soon as you get close to where you're going, you tell yeah. you know it's like and it was just that sweet agave smell in the air and just that sea blue you could just see agave like it was dirt roads for like five and a half hours wow. and then all of a sudden you get through guadalajara and then finally it's it almost looks like the sea and it's just blue weber agave Amazing. and so you knew you were kind of going into somewhere really special by that point yeah um, so we went to La Cofradia over to the distillery and I was speaking to Luis Trejo, who's the master distiller at La Cofradia. Um, I was telling him about whiskey, you know, my national spirit. He was showing me how to make his national spirit. And as I was looking around the place, um, I'd asked him what kind of barrels they were using. Cause one of my favorite whiskeys is Avalarabuna. Mm -hmm. I just love that sherry. Stunning. That's here the flavor. 
Um, and he said, they're actually all bourbon barrels. So I was like, oh, okay, so you've never used, you know, other types like a sherry barrel or a port or anything like that. And he said, no, we, we just use bourbon. You know, that's typically what is used for tequila. And I, um, at that point, I was like, you know, it'd be pretty cool if we could somehow put our national spirits together somehow. And that was kind of one of those phrases that sticks on your mind. Amazing. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. So I headed back to Scotland armed with tequila bottles from La Cofardia. And I was, I was kind of, the challenge was set to, to get some of my whiskey friends to try and enjoy tequila. Cause I, I don't want to be the only one drinking yeah, that's fair. tequila with, you know, while everybody else is sipping whiskey. <laughs> so it was like, I, I kind of made it a challenge to try and educate people um, on, you know, what tequila was forgetting about the past. And, mm. and that's, that's the tough bit because I think everybody's had a tequila moment where it's like the end of the night or, you know, it's really bad stuff that they've tried and very much so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you wake up in the morning full of regret, <laughs> great sadness and McDonald's wrappers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that was kind of the challenge that I set myself and um, I had a friend round and I, I poured him a Añejo tequila that I had. And he was, he said to me, uh, when I poured it, I put it in this really nice shot glass that I got from San Miguel. Um, but I think that was the problem because every time I- Choose to drink, isn't it? Yeah. So he, he and a few others had said, you know, where's the salt in the lime? And I was like, <laughs> no, forget, forget that. You know, try and think of it as you know, drinking a whiskey, you know, like with respect. Um, and it wasn't until the next time, actually, my wife had said to me, you know, if you're trying to get people to enjoy it like a whiskey, why don't you just put it in a whiskey glass? Nice. And I thought, okay, yeah, such a simple thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like, just like everything, uh, seems to be in my life. She's always right because <laughs> the next time I had someone around, I put it in a whiskey glass and, um, and when they tried it, they were like, wow, that's really good. What, what is that? And I was like, okay, so it, it kind of the light bulb moment went off. And I thought, if I, if I can change perception just based on the glassware, like what could you actually do if you put it in single malt whiskey bottles? Amazing. So that was kind of the, it started out as um, a bit of a concept. I was still working in oil and gas. Um, and I was knocking on just about every distillery's door out in Speyside. Uh, and it, every time I told them what I was going to do with the barrels, the door seemed to be kind of shut in my face. <laughs> oh. um, so the last place that I kind of stumbled across was um, Speyside Cooperage. Yeah. I just thought if there's one place I'm going to get barrels, it'll be Speyside Cooperage. Um, and they really have been amazing. Um, from learning about, you know, how they actually make the barrels to the charring to, you know, toasting, um, all that kind of stuff, the wood properties, they've been a pivotal part of my journey. And that was really the beginning of how I started to really understand about flavor and what the wood does 
that's where we have all of our casks made as well uh, yeah so our independent bottlings uh, or whenever we need a first fill or need something different we always get in touch with them and, and they make it happen they're fantastic yeah. people yeah they're awesome yeah i mean i've been in touch with um their their manager over there malcolm for since i started in 2015 awesome. uh, and yeah they just they, they've always been good and and you know really helpful along the journey so um so yeah that was kind of how it started 10 barrels shipped them over to louise he did the distilling side and um we did a lot of trial and errors um it's been well, we started in 2015 and then we didn't launch the, the five liquids until last year which was that's a long time isn't it? yeah yeah it's been some time so between distilling differently using different types of barrels second fill third fill um you know leaving it to age longer shorter um you know casking it at different strengths before mm. bottling it um because with tequila once you actually break the this there's a seal that goes over the barrel tops mm -hmm. and once you actually break that seal you then have to bottle it right um so there's there's now a governed body in place for tequila that regulates every every bit about it and i think it's just because what happened was with all the shooting tequilas and and the rest of it it was it was really making making their own national spirit look bad yeah, it was lawless for a while wasn't it yeah yeah um so now it's kind of taking it right right to the the beginning and of you know how great the actual liquid is and and they put different kind of laws in place awesome. which is good for, for it's for the category though and so how, does that mean that you what about cask sampling if it's got that seal over it can you not try it before you bottle it so you can try it right um but you, you have to but once you've broken the seal you have to bottle it wow so you can actually so if you've aged it for seven months and you've broken that seal uh you can't then age it into if it's seven months uh classified as a reposado hmm. it then can't go into the next category as an añejo even if you've just sampled it that's a bit brutal isn't it that's kind of that's you know a lot of the the trial and error things that we've done yeah. you know, it took quite a while although we weren't really ready to commercialize it anyway so it, it wasn't it wasn't a kind of big deal at that time but but yeah it's um it's a a pretty tricky blending exercise when you have to you know when you have to actually use that barrel should we try some yes where should we start right so so I always say the way that we've kind of lined these up is the Space Side 7 mm -hmm. is really the, it's the starting point. I always feel like um, it's almost like when, a, when somebody that's never tried whiskey before, um, they start off with something quite light, fruity, mm -hmm. never really jump into something that's full on wood, peaty, because you don't want to, what you don't want to do is push consumers away no to try it um so the space side seven is is really that that starting range where they're all sipping tequilas but the best thing about space side seven is it's really versatile so you can use it for simple serves 
um, just like ginger beer, uh, ginger beer and lime, which is a great one that we use for this. But again, they're all sipping tequila, so. And bottled at 40%, I have to say, when I just poured it into the glass, I just got a massive burst of uh, like caramel and, and that kind of classic agave kind of note come through. Yeah. So what we tried to do with this, what the, one of the most important things for me was to really show the characteristics of the two different countries. Mm. So it wasn't overpowering it too much with oak so that you lose that sense of agave. Because the story really is, you know, between, it, it's, a, it's a cultural partnership, you know, with Louise doing the dis distilling side and myself, um, you know, creating the wood program. So we still wanted to have that both story, you know, an equal kind of measure of great agave traditionally made in brick ovens. You know, you can really get that traditional side from it whilst you still get that sweetness of a space side malt. Yeah, really getting like a big uh, like lemongrass and super herbal note going on. So around the distillery, um, so we actually use uh, it's wild fermentation. Right. So we don't use anything other than it's just wild fermentation. Um, and around the distillery, there's mango trees all over the place. So you'll notice in some of these ones, you'll get that citrusy, you know, orange, mango-y sort of flavor coming through it. Mm. Definitely that lovely citrus note there for sure. Yeah. Wow, I have to say, I'm, I'm not normally a tequila guy at all, um, which is why I was fascinated to do this, to be really honest. Um, I was wanting to be convinced and the nose has already convinced me that this is a good idea. So they're all, they're all actually uh, cast at 55%, which is the, the highest legal um, ABV that you can actually uh, barrel and then we bring that down to 40 percent with the space side seven and the 14. Mm. that is insanely smooth on the palate that that gorgeous kind of caramel note on the nose does for me anyway develops into a lovely toffee almost like a butterscotch kind of flavor um that is so smooth no burn no none of those traditional things that you know, you, you kind of uh, associate with uh, tequila at uni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, so that's been a long, long time since I've had that. But I've had tequila since then, don't get me wrong. I've had some, some really good ones over the years, but I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by that. Thanks. That is so mellow. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great... So, like, I always tell people that, you know, every single, every single style that we have, so we've got five types here. Mm. And every style always, in my mind, they all have their occasional. Mm -hmm. you know, so as you start to taste the different ranges, I think you'll start to kind of think in your mind when you would have that one you know, or how you would have that one. Yeah. And like the, the seven's great for if somebody hasn't had tequila before or they have had tequila and you know, you're, you're trying to change their mind on what they've had before. The seven's a great starting point. And so would you say the 14 would be the next one to have a go on? The 14's the next one, yeah. So this is so 14 months. It's been in, um, is it ex-bourbon or? Uh, ex so the, the barrels that we use. Scotch even. Yeah, so they're first fill bourbon, second fill single malt. 
Gotcha. And then we get our hands on them and then ship them over to Mexico in 40 foot containers. Wow. And, and then uh, put tequila in them. So it's almost, you're essentially getting a slice of three different sort of flavors of spirits in yeah. one bottle. All right, let's have a go on number two. So this one, more, it's really more oak. And it's amazing how, yeah, this is only seven months. That first one, seven months. Mm. So the, the crazy part when I started this was I couldn't believe how much flavor the liquid took on in a different country, you know, different climate, different humidity. Um, it's crazy how much flavor you can get out the barrels mm. adding heat in a different in a different country. Was it deliberately double the length of the first one we tried? Or was it just how it worked? So we we basically tried them all, every every month right the way through. Um, but we got to four months on the reposado. Uh, and as we were thinking about leaving it at four months, I decided to just keep it going longer um, because these aren't finished. Mm -hmm. So they're they're created from the, the very first time we put them in the barrels so like you know as a small startup brand that we are um and cash flow stuck in barrels is yeah. a complete nightmare um i mean never mind whiskey thinking about the years that you have to wait for a whiskey um we only had to wait months to get this but um it's just kind of from a commercial point of view, oh, you always right. kind of think, okay, I want to get it out there as quick as possible. But the reality is that if the juice isn't good, then what's the point in putting it out? 100% so agree. We left, it, we left it through to seven months and seven months was, we, we aged it a little bit longer as well. Um, but seven months was a really good sort of stop off point for a reposado going into an añejo. Excellent. And I just noticed on the um, information sheet that you uh, you included in the pack that we both have a double gold at San Fran to our name as well. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that was a great. Um, yeah, it was a great award to get. You know, just after launching the brand last year, um, mm -hmm. picked up a few different awards here and there, but um, definitely San Francisco double gold is. Yeah, it's a great. Great achievements. We're pretty chuffed about that. So this one's, I mean, you'll just get a lot more wood, a lot more oak from this. You still get that treacle, but it's almost just multiplied nuts. And yeah. And that kind of um, mangoey citrusy thing is coming through now. Yeah. Much more on this one for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lovely grassy note to it as well. Yeah, so like the, gra the earthiness of the agave really comes from the fact that we use lowland agave and the, so there's two different types that you can use lowland and highland uh, and the lowland agave is a lot earthier and the highland agave is sweeter and the reason why we use the lowland was just because the Speyside barrels um, I knew that I was getting the sweetness of the the whiskey through the Speyside barrels so I didn't want to use a, a highland agave sweet on sweet you know, so almost you get that really kind of grassy agave notes. So you know you're drinking tequila, 
but at the same time you've got that that back end of the the woodiness mm. of the oh man i'm loving that i mean we're only um, two in and i've been thoroughly converted to tequila now that is gorgeous <laughs> i mean this is what i was really trying to do i wasn't trying to i'm not trying to change whiskey drinkers into tequila drinkers mm. what i was trying to do with this was just to throw a bit of a spanner in the works and just say you know there's other things out there that whiskey drinkers could really enjoy because like for me i'm not a big rum drinker because rums it's just too sweet for me yeah same man same so i i'm and i that kind of goes through my food characteristics as well i'm not a sweet guy i'm more savory so when i'm picking drinks i tend to pick the ones that are you're not not on the sweet side so for tequila for me was really that that balance Mm. i really and so that's why i sort of created these different ones to show people that you you can you can do some really great stuff with tequila if you sort of think outside the box and Mm. use different styles of barrels. But they were all really tailored to my one sort of true love for Abelaura Abuna. That was really like the, in my mind, that was the goal. It was like, okay, I need to create different types, but the goal is at the end, I want to have something that's pretty close to to that drink that I love. So, So we'll jump into the... Yeah. Space seven. So this is the going into the cask strength range. Gotcha. 50 so, ABV, right? So the first two are 40% ABV. And then going into the cask strength stuff. And the reason why I did the cask strength stuff is just again, I love that high ABV style. It's just the change of viscosity. It's it, the liquid just totally forms into a different you know, on the nose, it's still incredibly, incredibly subtle and reminiscent of the other two. It's not yeah. totally different, not that harsh kind of uh, prickliness that you can get with like high ABV car strength uh, scotch, for example. So this one is exactly the same as the first one we tried, the Speyside 7. It's in the same barrels. Um, the only difference is it's bottled at 53% and not 40. Gotcha. Only That's the only difference between it. But as soon as you taste it, it's just like an explosion of flavor, which is what I love about it so mm. much. Wow. To be fair, I don't think I'd call that a 52 ABV or 53 ABV though. Yeah. That's incredibly easy drinking for yeah. a high ABV spirit. I'm gonna yeah. kind of call that as dangerously easy drinking actually. Yeah, so that we always, uh, like it's really important for the brand that we always tell people like our motto is live free sip slow because like the live free part was just breaking free of being in that big corporate mm. rat race that i was in and then the sip slow i mean that's obviously i think there's kind of different elements with that but i think because they are dangerously smooth mm. um yeah we want people to take their time and enjoy them because they can go down a little too easy at times. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? That one, weirdly, I found even smoother than the first one. Don't know how, but it it just kind of worked. Um, 
in that kind of smooth, easy drinking, yep. lovely kind of texture to it as well. In, you know, you naturally get with high ABV anyway, but that works so nicely. Yeah. And you get that, for me, you get that almost like a real nice peppery. Mm. Just think of it, like white pepper on the finish for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Happy days. There are definitely <laughs> worse ways of spending a Wednesday lunchtime, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, I love these tasting events because, I mean, this yeah, this is six years kind of in the making. So yeah, nothing more I love doing than talking about, you know, what's essentially been created. Awesome. Man. And it's great just getting great getting people's feedback as well, which is really the part of it's it's an educational part for my side trying to educate people on tequila and mm -hmm. then the, the brand side and the oak that we use but at the same time it's an educational part for us to to really get feedback from you know people like yourselves and you know whiskey drinkers um especially because that's really why it was created it was mm -hmm. to appeal to whiskey drinkers because tequila people already like it yeah <laughs> you know, if tequila, if, if there's somebody that loves tequila and they try these, they, they'll already enjoy it. But yeah. the real challenge is, you know, how do you grow a category? Mm. Um, you do that by introducing new people into it. Recruiting them from other categories and, and kind of telling them there are other very, very uh, solid ways to go with their uh, spirits consumption as well. Eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is it sherry or double oak? So we go with the sherry seven and the double oaks last. Gotcha. So the Sherry 7, this one is really different um, in flavor and just texture. Uh, it's a 500 liter Sherry barrel that we use. The, uh, the Space Side ones are 200 liter. Yeah. And this one for me is, it's the only one in the lineup that you really lose a lot of the agave behind it. Mm -hmm. And it just almost becomes a bit of a mystery spirit. <laughs> but it is amazing in a in an old fashioned. I mean, it's one of my favorites in an old fashioned. But you get that really dark kind of jammy fruit notes out of it. Yeah, I get what you mean about the, the kind of agave ness kind of going down. I mean, that big kind of spicy notes coming through as well on the nose. Yeah. Amazing herbaceous notes coming through as well. Yeah. Mm. Quite creamy on the texture. Mm -hmm. But also really fruity. Yeah. And those kind of sherry, I expected sherry notes coming through in an incredible way. I also agree with you that the, um, it is a strange, I don't know if many people would call it as a tequila if yeah. they're trying that. Yeah, it's, it is very, very different from the first uh, uh, from the first ones we tried. Yeah, you really get the earthiness through the first three. And when yeah. you get to the, the sherry, I, I think it's um, the only thing I can kind of put my finger on is the size of the barrel. Mm. Yeah, um, the sherry butts are massive, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, we've bought a few. So over between time and uh, that kind of circumference and it, it just really changes the the flavor of that liquid a lot mm. 
for going back to it for a second nose for me again it's that, that big kind of lemony lemon grassy note uh, kind of does feel so that that kind of consistency is going through the range but at the same time it's got enough different about it due to that sherry cast yeah hmm. i almost get like a like a chocolate hmm. chocolate notes on it as well juicy Oh man, I've loved all four of those. Wow, very so, nice work, sir. Very nice work. So when I when I first tried that one, and we kind of realized that we lost that sort of agave flavor through it, mm. I wanted to bring it back, bring back that agave, um, and just do one more, and that's where we came up with the the double oak. So that's kind of the it's almost like the finisher. Mm. And with the double oak, it's a 60-40 split between the sherry barrels and the Speyside barrels. And what you get with this one is just, it's just a long lingering, I mean, it. all four of those really stay on the palate. But for me, this one, it really gets as close to that Abalaura Buna I really as I could possibly get um and the finish on it it just i mean you could sit there i mean this is like a, a cold winters you know by the fire or you know camping or just kind of it's that that last one that you have and you just sip on it because i mean i started the brand when i started this it, it was just myself i was wearing every single hat imaginable mm. um, I mean, we sold the house, moved into a flat, sold the cars, everything went into it. I mean, the, the whole thing's just been, it was a bit of a, it was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to go all in mm. and do it. And it wasn't until December that we actually signed our kind of first agreement, bringing other people into the business and, you know, which has been fantastic. Um, you know, you spoke to James there at the, yeah. at the beginning he's our brand director and marketing guy he's amazing but i mean without these other people our md and you know the great connections that we have it, it's tough to grow a brand yeah mm. that's the reality you can't wear every hat possible no. you have to get people in eventually you know to kind of share that workforce right so last one double oak mm. Oh, it's a much deeper nose to that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's almost like, for me, it's almost like um, like Christmas cake, mm. you know, Christmas pudding style. Like at raisins and kind of... Yeah, those kind of stewed fruits are pushing through. Oh, I like that. But this one, it just, it stays in your mouth for so long. That flavor is just kind of like. Man, alive. that is incredible. Like on the taste of that, that kind of lovely balance of the agave spirit, obviously, but then with that gorgeous sweetness, a lot of that vanilla kind of juicy oak coming in, I'm guessing from the bourbon cast. And then that rich flavor profile and dryness 
some of the sherry parts as well. Wow. That's incredible. That's the finisher. Yeah. <laughs> that's the the kind of yeah. That one for me, that's the special kind of mm. the special one that it's just so different compared to any of the other ones. And like I said, they all, you know, to me, they're all kind of occasional styles. Mm. Like the, the Sherry Seven, that's that's a old fashioned for me all the way. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just beautiful in an old fashioned. I'm gonna have to try that later. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're just it's just trying to educate people on how how you can change and get different flavors, mm. just like you can with whiskey. Yeah, by just you know, literally by oak, thyme, um, and just different kind of methods and distilling the the tequila to get that that smoothness or get that. I hate that word kind of smooth because it's more you're taking for what people think of tequila as you're, you're almost with these, you're taking a bit of the heat away mm. and you're, you're almost infusing it with different flavors, which takes that heat away. Yeah. And it's no heat or kind of prickliness or aggression in any of them. It is all so yeah. easy drinking. So where can people find these if they're looking to buy some bottles? Awesome tequila. So there's a whole bunch of different places they can find them online. Um, so starting off with the, the website, it's www.storywoodtequila.com. Right, thank you so, so much for taking me through all of those, Michael. It's been truly enjoyable. It has opened my mind to tequila properly. Uh, something that I'd, I'd long to try properly again, but never really had the opportunity or such high quality spirit to, uh, to enjoy. And I've honestly loved every single one of those. Um, Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Really, really nice. And uh, well worth the, uh, the six-year uh, patient wait you had as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, six long years. But, you know, it's, it takes time, they say, to, to get perfection. So. Well, I found that really interesting. I can't wait to try the samples that we've been sent. I'm particularly interested in that um, ex Oloroso sherry cask. It sounds really great. Oh, I really was. And yeah, we will definitely be taking you through that very, very soon. And now it's time for our whiskey of the week. And for me, it's going to be the Singleton of Dufton 54 year old. So quite a bold choice, I would say, but I was on the press launch of this just yesterday, actually. And not only did the press uh, sample come in a gorgeous box, even with a copper coin sealing it, which I thought was quite a nice touch, um, but it was fascinating to hear uh, all of what uh, Ewan uh, Gunn and also the uh, Keeper of Time at the uh, Royal Observatory in Greenwich uh, was uh, talking about, uh, especially how this one has been in cask for 54 years. Uh, having uh, been moved from an original cask through to a PX Pedro Jimenez sherry cask. And for me, the tasting notes on this were just nuts. I, it was a real genuine moment with what is the final installment in their Paragon of Time collection. And so for me, it had this really big, dry, but mellow nose to it. Uh, big fruity notes, almost like strawberries and cream there. Um, and then on the palate, it was just bonkers. You had that real juxtaposition of dryness, but also uh, the juicy fruits coming through 
be it berries and fruity notes from like winter fruits. I mean, um, there was just so many layers to it uh, that it was just absolutely incredible. Um, hints of raisin, um, but all in all, it was a genuine stunner to actually have spent time with this whiskey and especially as they were all about celebrating time as part of it. And what's yours this week? Well, mine, I've gone back to our um, Landed Cast series and it is our Great Drums Lockdown Lock-In Dram. Um, this has been doing really well recently at all the events and on the website. Um, people are really interested in the sentiment behind it and as well, um, something quite special, it is a blended malt. Um, and we're you know, using this opportunity to speak to people and tell them know what a blended malt is and um, how it differs really from a single malt so it is that it is just that it is a blended malt we take a different single malt casks and we blend them together and we've just created an absolute stunning whiskey this one's 12 year old we bottled at 48.2 like we do now regularly um, and for me it's just the hints of the vanilla the honey and it's just really smooth really easy drinking um, especially now the weather has turned a little bit we are now in June and it really is that sippable um, yeah easy drinking dram and people seem to be loving it and they really loving the sentiment behind it as well it's you know we really wanted to mark the last year um, with something special and because you know we are independent bottlers we, we can call the you know use the different sentiments as we go through the seasons as well and we've done that with our Christmas editions and they've gone down really well um, and now people are really enjoying the lockdown one as well. So, yeah, just time to sit back and relax and just think about what Reflect we've all gone through. It, yeah, in the last year, I keep on saying I need to write things down. And every time we open this whiskey, we talk about what it is that we should be, you know, thinking about the last year and how crazy it was and how, you know, grateful we are that we are in the position that we're in now. And yeah, so this is also not only a truly delicious whiskey but something really special to sit back and think about as well. And reflect on and, yeah, and uh, it is just, uh, it's one of those rare things that you get to do where, as Kirstie said, we're very bad at writing things down, mm. but we're quite good at bottling things yes. and then writing <laughs> labels uh, for them. And so, uh, yeah, this one is our way of remembering the last 14 months as well. And it's the seventh in our blended cask series too. Mm. Last one. So thanks very much for listening today and just get in touch with any of your questions and if you'd like to hear anything on the podcast, just let us know. Take care.